0: Hey, everyone, we want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's.
1: You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those
0: rad all overprint button downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just
1: button downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to RSVLTS.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's RSVLTS.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase.
0: Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell.
1: And I'm Nick Gambarian, the Broken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we have a guest
2: host, and his name is... Dano! Hey, good to be back, guys. Thanks for having me on
0: stoked for mando dano flores of the dano channel fame that's me yep how was your live stream last night it was good there was a lot of people so
2: i do these live stream watch parties every week even if there's not anything new and i want to say i had about more than two times but not quite three times as many people as normal show up last night hell yeah like the hype was there for this show and yeah it was it was a lot of fun in fact, some of your listeners were there, too.
1: Nice. It's always nice to see.
2: Amazing. Crossover is real. The crossover.
0: Cross, cross-pollination. It's crossing the streams. <laughs> Cross the streams. <laughs> all right, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Obviously, the Mandalorian Season 3 premiere, which has everybody just, like, over the f***ing moon. The whole community. Everyone is just, like, so about it. Everyone's personality for the next eight weeks is the Mandalorian. Just all of it. We're living and breathing all of it. But... We don't want that to overshadow how amazing this week's episode of The Bad Batch was. Season 2, episode 11. I said The Bad Batch like I'm like an old person. Christopher Walken, The Bad Batch. Get off the MySpace. <laughs> okay, boomer. <Yeah. laughs> I guess you put the hot sauce in my drink. Did you watch The Bad Batch? <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's just briefly mention that because although I just said I don't want it to be overshadowed, I don't have time to edit a two-hour episode. So let's just briefly kind of give our sort of like first impressions, emotional response to the Bad Batch episode. And uh, we'll, we'll do a We'll do a recap, probably a mm. season recap. Maybe we'll do a full episode. I don't know. It might get wild. We'll see what happens. Nonetheless, <laughs> right now, I want to hear, Nick, what you thought on tour. Uh, okay. First
1: thought, I thought it was great. Excellent episode. Definitely had to throw back, throw back feeling to the Zillow Beast, you know, stories that were told in Clone Wars. But I'm going to double down on my feeling of who is this show for because this was yeah. like the an absolute like <laughs> borderline horror episode. <laughs> yes. And then five episodes ago was like a pod racing episode for five year olds. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the the through line is for the Bad Batch. I don't know who's supposed to be watching the show. I know I, I'm watching it. I'm having a good time. But there, there was great stuff as far as cloning goes and, and you know, like uh, a new doctor was introduced. Uh, the doctor. Uh, yeah, it was a great episode. I really, uh, really liked it. I loved having Lama Su and Nala Say back in the fold. I, I thought it was excellent. Excellent episode. Daniel, how about you? I had fun with it too. The whole like throwback to aliens. I got
2: major alien vibe yes. with them going through the ship and this beast like, you know, kind of hunting them. Um, That was fun and something a little bit different. And we it reminded me of the episode of Rebels where there was like kind of a zombie trooper vibe going on. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It gave me that kind of feel. And some people in my chat were saying that too. They were like, "Yeah, no, this gives that same kind of vibe," which is fun. I like when they play with genre a little bit in the Star Wars. So I, I enjoyed it on that level as a whole. Bad Batch hasn't been landing with me as much as something like Mando or Andor. So I'm liking it, but I'm not loving it. Okay. So, but either way, it's it's always a good time, and I still have fun.
0: Yeah i I've been not as completely stoked on this season as I was on last season. That said, it's still great. We still love it. We talk about it every week. But this episode really brought it. Just like you know the 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 few crosshair episodes when it really got dark, it went back there. And Nick, Mm -hmm. I thought the same thing. Like, who is this for? I'm thinking. you know, like as a 10 year old, I would have been like, I don't like this episode, you know, and I would have closed my eyes and not watched it (laughs) and I would have missed something awesome. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting because it is,
1: it is really good. I I get the vibe maybe, um, that it's, I think it'll have a big finish and that'll kind of salvage, not, not that it's bad by any means, like you said, but I think that'll salvage the, the, what we want from it, like pushing some sort of overall narrative forward. I think if, if it, and strong, which I kind of get the sense it will, then, then we'll be happy for sure.
0: And I think rather, I know that they're planting so many seeds, like, like they do in animation, like they've done for years, they're filling in so many gaps, you know, star Wars animation is kind of like comics in a way, you know, it, it fills in the stuff. It does the things it within Canon that you don't have time for in the films. And even in the live action series, you know, it's, it's doing a lot of fun stuff And in this case, it's so amazing that we're getting this and the Mandalorian at the same time, both filling in the blanks leading up to the sequel trilogy. Like they're fully, with this episode, they fully connected the prequels and the, well, not fully. I speculate, it it is reasonable to speculate that they're connecting the prequels and the sequel trilogy with the Zilla Beast story. Cause that, this is like a direct continuation of that season two or three, you know, two episode arc. And it's so much about cloning there, you know, at mm-hmm. Mount Tantis, they're, they're talking about Palpatine's plans. Yeah. I mean, his ultimate plan when it came to cloning was himself, but he's doing all this other stuff with it, weaponizing things like the Zillow beast. So mm-hmm. it's important stuff. Okay. But enough. will we see Snoke? Will we see the Snoke clones come back?
2: Cause they were teased in Mando yeah. season two. And now we're kind of treading on that same territory. And so I wonder if them releasing, cause they know they were going to butt up against each other. They're, premiere of mando season three and the last few episodes of bad batch right typically they don't do that kind of a tie-in directly but it seems like they know the attention is going to be there and people are going to be yeah. watching both every week on the same day so i you know it just feels like there might be some kind of tie-in more than they normally do so i'm hoping to see some snoke or some like s- some of those threads start to cross over between the i'm
1: two. into that there is that one instance with four ceiling with ray and grogu like that that i want to say the mandalorian Wait, which actually came first? The Grogu Force Healing and then Rey did it in Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, they
0: pushed up the episode a few days to make it happen before
1: Rise of Skywalker dropped. So there is a precedent. I would be shocked if they crossed, you know, animation to live action TV. But uh, yeah, I'm open for that. If it makes what we're watching even better, that would be very cool.
0: Yeah, you have to wonder if they paced the release of the Bad Batch As deliberately up to this point, not just the rest of it, but doubling up the premiere and what was it? Seven and eight or whatever. Yeah, that was an interesting move. To put the cloning thing right here. Exactly. Because we're back to Grogu being a target. That's not going to stop. They mentioned some things that makes you go, Mm. this wasn't an accident. Mm. Yeah. Like, I wonder,
2: do we see an animated young Dr. Pershing show up or, you know, (laughs) something like that? There's, it could happen. We're in the same kind of space here. Doogie Howser- Doogie Hauser aged <laughs> Pershing. <A> very young, Yeah. <laughs> <a> very young. <laughs> I was waiting. He was a child prodigy. <laughs> right.
0: I was waiting for that doctor to be named or someone to be named, you know, so-and-so Pershing Senior or some crap. You know, I was yeah. ready for that. But either way, seeds have been planted. It's good stuff. We're stoked. Let's talk about The Mandalorian. Let's do first impressions on this, too. I was going to go straight to stolen plans, but let's get first impressions. Nick, go first again. How did you feel? Did you watch last night? I watched at, we were in Central Time, we were
1: in Milwaukee, and Bus Call was right at 2 a.m. when it dropped, so I didn't watch it right at, uh, actually it went on at 1.50 for me again, so that was different than, Dano, oh, The Bad Batch has been dropping right at midnight, right? Right at midnight, okay, yeah, so and for Mando, some reason Mando
2: and Andor and all the other live action yeah. stuff has been about 10 minutes before the hour.
1: That might just be like load management or something, you know, for, for right. people who, like us. We'll get in there ten minutes early and kind of yeah. help, uh, yeah. maybe some servers not crash or something. But <laughs> <All> um, <right. laughs> so we we left uh, right at two a.m. and had a little bit of a tough time, like just downloading it so we could watch it. So I think I was watching it by like two thirty a.m. Front lounge of the bus was packed; everyone was watching it. Um, it was it was excellent. First first impressions, though, you know, like I, I it's hard to not when you wait so long for something, whether it's a theatrical release or. Now the Mandalorian, it's hard to not have like expectations of something massive happening to like move the overall Star Wars narrative forward. We didn't really get anything like that. Uh, There was definitely some cool moments. It was a lot of fun. It was, I was just happy to be watching it again. And I'm happy for like the next seven weeks that we all get to like anticipate episodes and talk about it. And I know that They're doing their old tricks. A lot of the trailer was in that first episode. So there's going to be a ton of stuff that we don't know coming up, which is great. So I loved it. It was awesome. Daniel, how about you? So right now with the,
2: every time like Mando comes back or a new movie drops, it feels like the fandom is firing on all fours. Like It is peak fandom moments like this. In a day like today where we get, new Mando. We get Mando showing up at the parks over at the East coast. Yes. There's this like synergy going on within the whole fandom. Everybody's fired up. And this episode delivered. It gave us, it played with my emotions. It, it, like (laughs) it, (laughs) it got me. It really had a big misdirect. And like knowing that they were going to do those tricks. Like you said, Nick, Of most of the stuff's going to be in the first episode that we saw in the trailer. I, I had that feeling going in and turned out to be true, but they managed to really subvert my expectations in the first like 10 minutes of the show. And I was thinking it's one thing and it pivots and becomes another. And just, it had me the whole time and I haven't seen the fandom in my own community or just overall like this fired up about something
1: in a while. And it's, it's good to good to be back in it. I did remember one other thing and uh, I agree with you, Dano, like it's, it's, it has been abnormally long, for actual Mandalorian, you know, like we got that that yeah. sick episode in Boba Fett and he was obviously in like the last few episodes of uh, Book of Boba Fett. So we 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 got a little bit, but it's been actually, it seems like I just said to you before we started to record, it seems like episode eight of season two was five years ago <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> and
1: it was like more like two, right? But it seems yep. so long. <laughs> one other first impression for me that I just remembered that like no one heard me say it on the bus, but... The first time you saw Grogu like walking around, like literally the first <laughs> time he was on the screen walking, I just said to myself, this <laughs> I don't know why that came out of my mouth. but <laughs> Yeah, just not tired of seeing him, you know, no. just not tired at all. I'm like, oh, still the cutest thing I ever saw.
0: Yeah. And the scene we'll talk about it later in the droid Smith shop. Oh, It was God. It was even funnier the second time. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. I love this episode for all the same reasons you guys are saying great action, great drama, lots of seeds planted. One yeah. really huge one for folks who've seen rebels. We'll talk about that later. And it's just a, a, an overall great setup for the season because it kind of touched on a few key things. It didn't go in deep to any of those per se. Like you said, naked. you know, we didn't have this giant, like universe rattling scene that has all these big implications, but each little bit that they touched on does have much deeper implications and it, it's all a great setup. So I thought it was great. And the one thing that really struck me story and everything aside was the production value. It looks like they know this is their like game of Thrones equivalent, essentially on Disney Plus, And they spent some money, like all the live action sets on Navarro. It didn't feel like the volume. You couldn't right. feel the volume as you're watching it. And that's, that's huge. I didn't think about the volume a single time. dude. Yeah. Not once. That might
1: be the first time, like,
0: on Mandalorian that that was the case, really. I don't know if there's been a big jump in, like, LED wall brightness technology or Mm. it's the best CG I've ever seen on TV or what, but Mm -hmm. I didn't see a single seam or, like, halo from a green screen or anything, anywhere. It was beautiful,
1: like, all of it. Good point. I actually didn't think about that until you guys just mentioned it, so that that proves your point even more, I feel like.
0: And the stuff that was obviously CG that had to be also looked incredible, like that opening alligator scene, the water. Oh, yeah. Like, the Mandalorian is known in, like, the, the VFX community as having one of the best water simulation shots ever, you know, until Avatar 2, basically when they pulled the Razor Crest up out of the water with that kind of like AT-AT skyhook-looking thing, and it was dripping all the seaweed and all that crap, that's like one of the best water sim shots, just period. And that had more dimly lit, like overcast, dark atmosphere to help it hide things. Doing things yeah. in the dark with CG helps a lot. But this shit was in broad daylight, and it looked perfect. Like the, the way they were splashing, like live-action Mandalorians... Maybe they re- replaced digitally. I don't know. Splashing through on the beach, stepping in the sand, all this shit swelling up. It was amazing. Amazing. So hats off to the VFX team. How about that
1: one? I think it was only one shot where normally they would, it would almost be like a camera is on a wing of right. like an X-Wing or the Razor Crest or something, but the camera looked like it was attached to the, to the helmet, helmet yeah. of the, the one Mando. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Great Love that.
0: And dude, also, shout out to Rick Famayua for... Direction overall, composition of shots, pacing, everything. I mean, the, the one shot that really stood out that was so beautiful to me was the Purgle shot that we'll talk about later. The scale of those, like the the thought of, of zooming out to make the N1 this size on screen, you know, like a tiny yeah. little inch, you know, 100 pixels, and then all the rest filling it up. It's just a really smartly composed shot. It's beautiful stuff. And then story-wise, we're starting off with... Uh, a really important dramatic anchor, which is Din still being dead set, obsessed with redeeming himself. He's still tied to his religion, although he's, he's losing it. Um, shout out R.E.M. <laughs> still very much tribal roots kind of motivating him, but he's being challenged, like right out of the gate. Two of the main characters are telling him, it's all kind of bullshit, man. You should probably drop that for different reasons, right? but it's there. So we're setting up that like central tension right away. And I I thought it was really well done.
1: Yeah. I have my thoughts on where this is heading and I don't know if it's like a mid season thing or an overall season thing, but I do feel like it's kind of him picking a side between Bo Katan and the armor. And I kind of feel like I know where it'll
0: go, but we'll see. All right. Let's get into stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? (laughs) The Mandalorian season three. Chapter 17, they're sticking with the chapters. This is, uh, of course, episode one of season three, but it is the premiere and chapter 17 of the whole story. Debuted today, March 1st, 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus description, The Mandalorian begins an important journey. That he does. Directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Written by Jon Favreau, of course. 37-minute runtime. Starring our boy, the dad of the internet, Pedro Pascal. Guest-starring Emily Swallow as the armorer. Carl Weathers as... High Magistrate, he will have you know. It is High Magistrate, Grief Karga. Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan Kree's returning. Marty uh, Matulis as Vane, one of the pirates, the Nikto Pirate. He's been on Westworld, Star Trek Picard, American Horror Story. And Nanzo and Nosy as Gorian Shard, the green-faced, kind of plant-faced-looking, uh, moldy, drippy, moss head. Dr. Vegan. Yeah. Dr. Plant-based. <laughs> Loves plants. <laughs> You know, the big boss with the shit. He's been on Sweet Tooth, The Sandman, Ted Lasso. All of those is voices, right? Dano, you did the research on this? believe so. I think he's actually
2: acting in Sweet Tooth, but Sandman and Ted Lasso, he was voices on.
0: What needed a voice on Ted Lasso? That's interesting. I think it was someone on TV or something like that. Oh, it's like it. an announcer in the background oh, or something. And interestingly, and great for these two, credited as main titles. Co-starring. Co-starring titles on screen. Not deep in the credits as stunts by so-and-so. Latif Crowder and Brendan Wayne are credited as the dudes in the suit. They are, for all intents and purposes, the Mandalorian as as much as anybody else. You know, I'm thinking like David Prowse with Vader. Yeah. They're on that level. Yeah, they are physically the Mandalorian. More so than Pedro. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. It makes you wonder, since the timeline was just blowing up with nothing but Mandalorian shots, the few behind the scenes where he's got the suit on— and he's taking selfies and stuff like that. Were those all from, like, two episodes?
1: Probably. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> like, one day of filming. He's just got a ton and just... <laughs> or I yeah. assume, like, what, what is it? Is it Vanity Fair or right. Entertainment Weekly where <laughs> yeah. they do, like, an yeah. actual photo shoot? I'm oh, yeah. like, he probably... That's probably, like, the first time he's had it on in, like, years. <laughs> yeah. yep. I don't really mind,
0: though. It's whatever. No, as long as he gets yeah. behind the mic and turns on that yep. bedroom voice, you know, <laughs> everybody's happy. The score this time is not by Ludwig Goranson. They're, of course, using his themes... But the person who's scoring this season is Joseph Shirley, who did the book of Boba Fett. He worked on all three Creed films, Tenet, the Black Panther. So a lot of connections, a lot of, a lot of crossover with the Disney properties and working on Creed. That's probably where I, we would assume that connection came. Ludwig Gornson being the former roommate of Ryan Coogler. Yep. There we go. So it's awesome that this era of Star Wars feels so much like the kind of network of people in the early days of Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. rather than just you know hiring big guns, yeah, who, who are you know high dollar big names. There's so much like just oh I know a guy yeah I worked with him on so and so oh yeah she wrote this mm-hmm. and they have this awesome little creative network and I, I love it. Yeah,
1: I, I I also feel I I don't remember if I mentioned this on an episode or if it was just in passing talking to someone else, but like even just like promoting Rick Famuyiwa, you know, like I and and Deborah Chow getting her own show and all this stuff it's like man the, I think that they're taking their time with creators and directors and writers and producers all this stuff to to really um, like you're, you're using the word network I think they're creating like a bunch of George Lucas's you know yeah. a bunch of George mm, Lucas yeah. adjacent people who are going to care and protect and like be around for the next few decades to like really like usher in even more of this this era which is, it's super smart to not have it just be all Favreau and Filoni, you know? Good
0: point. Yeah, you know, know, Filoni being the heir apparent to George Lucas understands how lucky he is to have been given that opportunity and been, uh, you know, had his his career cultivated by Lucas. So I'm, I'm sure he's very much trying to kind of like pay it forward in that way.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: We open with a classic fabrication montage in the armor's, uh, what would you call it? Her studio? would she call it a studio where she makes things? Cave. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's an uh, armor cave. Yeah. Like a man cave, but an armor Her cave. Her armory? <laughs> armory. Yeah. Armory. That's here? probably what it's really called, but. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be official. <laughs> yeah.
0: Her storage unit. Thanks, Maddie. Um, <laughs> forging a new Beskar helmet for a young Mandalorian. Question. Sorry, I just started. Would you call this kid a Mandalorian yet? Or is it once the ceremony's done? Mm. Is he just a foundling right now? I would say foundling. Foundling, yeah. Or maybe he's he's actually the Maybe he's not a foundling. Maybe he's actually the child of a Mandalorian, but... Mm. Could be. We don't know how their rules work, so... I don't know about you guys,
2: but I was assuming with this montage in the beginning, that helmet that she's making being small, I was thinking, is that for Grogu? Now, when she turned around and showed it, it was a little bit big. Yeah. But then they show this boy, this foundling... And my next thought went to, oh, no, that's not for Grogu. This is a flashback. Exactly. To young Din Jaren. Exactly. It, that's And I was like, we're watching his initiation. And yeah. so I was like freaked out over that. And we can continue to what happens afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, just the misdirect. The misdirect had me so, yeah. uh, it had me just tied up,
0: all of it. And it had me thinking like, damn, how old is Paz Vizsla under that armor? How old is the armor under that, you know? Yeah. But nonetheless, it was awesome. As, as soon as we found out that it wasn't, I wasn't bummed. It was still badass. So well, it was like one of the coolest entries that Mando's had. Yeah.
2: Him showing up in the ship. It yeah. was just this whole moment of this ship flying through the sky and being like, wait, what? Right. I thought that was, you know, like the whole flashback facade just gets completely dissolved. And now you're back in another, just that whole direction of that opening scene. Was just an emotional roller coaster for me of being like, oh no, we're gonna get Gruga's helmet. How awesome. Oh no, it's not. It's (laughs) gonna be a flashback to young Mando. Oh no, it's not even that. Actually, Mando's here and he's like gonna fight. Like it was just all over the place. And what a just like a killer way to kick this thing off.
0: Really good. And you know, we get to see this Mandalorian clan surviving, thriving. There's like, I don't know, three dozen of them. They got beachfront property, they got a new covert in a cave. It's a sick cave. Everything's good.
1: That also, I don't know if it was a rumor or not or speculation, but there must be a time jump, right? To some degree, yeah. Because there was literally in Book of Boba Fett, The Armorer and Paz Vizsla. They said in that episode, there's only two of them.
0: Yes. And there was a mention, Favreau mentioned something like two years. So, yeah. that makes yeah. Sense. And he didn't specify and it was just an interview answer, so... Who knows, but Mm -hmm. he he mentioned two years and that could be like middle of last season to now. That could be the time that Grogu was gone. Like, who knows? Yeah. It seemed
2: from the interview that it was, he was referring to how long Grogu was away from Mando. So that was two years. That's what it was. Maybe. That was roughly two years between him taking him at the end of season two and when we see him in Book of Boba Fett. That's supposed to be a two-year lap, which means they... I
1: kind of feel like this is even more now, though.
2: Possibly. I don't know. There's
1: so many more Mandalorians. Yeah. And also, this isn't as important, but Din's N1 is like, it's got some wear and tear on it, too,
0: Yeah, Star Wars Explained has a great little analysis of that quote from that interview. I think it's on YouTube. It's definitely on social media, so go check that out. It's a quick kind of breakdown of, you know, a little analysis of what has happened and what could be, and a great point about it being an offhand comment in an interview and like, let's not get too invested, but yeah. it can make sense based on what we've seen now. He made that a couple days ago. So uh, let's see. So uh, the armorer brings out the helmet to the beach where we see this, you know, few dozen Mandalorians and they're about to do this initiation ceremony for this young Mandalorian. They go through the whole thing. She puts the helmet on, but before they can finish this giant alligator looking ass monster comes up bursting out of the water, eating up Mando's left and right, just slurping them down. They start blasting, they're flying, they're shooting missiles, they're putting bombs on him, but they're losing. It's just not working. And then, as Dano mentioned, our boy Din Djarin shows up with his N1 starfighter, blows up the giant alligator, blood and chunks come raining down, like that time in 1970 when the Oregon State Highway Patrol blew up that sperm whale that was the whale. dead. <laughs> and it, like chunks of it like, smashed cars and stuff. Yeah, it was like that. I will say, I don't love that they're always like battling animals that are just trying to live their lives. Like, just go
1: hide. Agreed. And I literally thought of you right away. I was like, come on, they're going to kill this
0: animal. Like, just go hide, man. Like, you know, say I lived in Florida and an alligator came in my backyard. Unless it was actively eating my dog. I don't know. I'd throw something at it. I mean, it. I guess you could say that,
1: though. You could say that with this one. It came out. It, it came onto the scene pretty hot. Yeah.
0: It was <laughs> eating their clan. I'd yeah. probably take my dog in the house and then go get like an air horn and, bow, 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 and scare him <laughs> off. I don't know. I guess they didn't have a big enough air horn to this one. Hit it with a one. pan. Yeah. Hit it with a stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Din then has a little conversation with the armorer about being exiled. <laughs> it's nice that it starts. Like, she has such mom vibes. She's like, so you took off your helmet, and if that wasn't bad enough, <laughs> you you know, so she really, like, lays it down for him again. This was nice that they actually had a conversation, and it's not like, you're dead to me. If you come near me, I'll blast you, you know? Yeah. So I like that, that it's like... You know, it's up for appeal. Yeah. I guess it seems a little recappy too. Yeah, There's definitely yeah. a lot of things yeah. in
1: this episode that were like, "Well, if you didn't need a book of Boba Fett,
0: <laughs> yeah, here's some here's exposition some, to just tie yeah, right to fill in those blanks." Yeah. yeah. So she says, "Redemption is no longer an option since the destruction of our homeworld." Din pulls out a piece of stone that looks like it's fused to like a big green crystal, almost like kryptonite. He says he got it to some Jawas who got it from a person who had been to Mandalore. The armorer says, this relic only proves that Mandalore's entire surface has been crystallized by fusion rays. So there's Boba Fett's quote about the empire on that planet the glass, you know? Yep. Glass, crystals, kryptonite, whatever. Din says, basically, whatever, bro. You said if I go take a bath in those waters in those caves, I can be redeemed. And the armorer says, this is the way. All right. Yeah. If you can make that happen. You're back in. So he leaves. He's going to go look there, regardless of what she says. Um, Din stops by Navarro to see grief Karga about getting some help. Navarro's popping off. Like we mentioned, a couple years going by, it has to be. When oh, you yeah. look at the, the amount of development and the, the thriving community going on in Navarro.
2: One of the big contrasts to think about is the first time we see it in Mando season one and they cut by and they see like the Kowakian monkey lizard. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like very... I don't know. It's almost like someone cooking it in a shopping cart, like outside of a yeah. business. It's very run down and it's so dark. And now it's just completely different. You've got trees full of monkey lizards. Yeah. And they're free. They're not like in cages or whatever, like they were before. I mean, just complete 180 on this whole town. And de- development
0: of it is just huge now. And they've got this beautiful statue of IG-11 in the city center. You notice it's like just the part of his actual body. And then the rest is like bronze or gold, you know, like the arm up. So yeah. Things are going well, and Grief is obviously reaping the benefits financially. He's just like dripping with style, layers and layers of cloaks, and all the stuff that we saw in the trailer. And he's got these two droids carrying little bitty droids (laughs) carrying the end of his cloak so it doesn't touch the ground. Classic, like, you know, old school royalty stuff. You know, you've made it when you have cape droids. (laughs) Yes. So, they have a little conversation in Grief's office about Din staying there. Grief really wants him to stay. He offers him some land. This is all part of that that sneak peek scene that they released last week where Grogu's spinning in the chair and he he force pulls the the M&M or whatever it is in Star Wars. A gang of pirates show up as they're in the middle of this conversation that we referenced. They go outside to deal with them. They're at this school that used to be a bar insisting to have a drink. They have this history with, with grief, and they're like, look, man, you used to do all kinds of shady shit in that bar. We want a drink. We want it right now. He says, come to my office. They say, no. They want it out here. They flash a blaster. He flashes a blaster. They basically, it's like, it's that line from, uh, what's the Dr. Dre song? Something about, just because I don't talk about gas, don't mean I ain't got none or whatever from the Chronic 2001. Oh, Patrick Merton. Thank you. It's Forgot About Dre. Ah. Now you want to run around talking about guns like I ain't got none. Would you think I sold them all? There it is. That's there it. There it is. So he flashes his blaster. Classic Western standoff type stuff. The shots, everything, the way it's all composed. Grief draws first. You know, it's, it's kind of a quick draw situation. Grief draws first. Blasts the pirate's blaster away. You know, hits him right on the hand. Again, classic trope. Tells the pirate to piss off. Tell Captain Shard that Navarro is no longer friendly to pirates. Then the other pirates draw... Little uh, shootout ensues. Din and Grief blast them all. Pirates run off. It's all good. Grief then offers Din a job as a marshal. Din says no. Says, what about Marshal Dune? Cara Dune. Grief explains away the absence of Cara Dune here. She was apparently recruited by the New Republic, promoted. She gone. Special forces. Special forces. So whatever that means. Again,
1: that feels like five years ago, but she's literally in the final scene of season two. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, that was kind of like a weird, like, mental gymnastics. I'm like, why are they talking about that? I'm like, "Mm." in real time, it's been two, two and a half years that she's been gone. But literally, she's in the Luke Skywalker scene in in season two.
0: Yeah. He also mentions that uh, Moff Gideon, Mom Gideon, thanks, auto spell check, (laughs) says Moff Gideon was shipped off to a New Republic war tribunal. So, who knows what's going to happen. But for now, he's on hold. So, Din can do other stuff. Din tells Grief that he needs help for his mission, says he needs IG-11 back. Grief's like, no, man, he's a statue. Look at him. What are you talking about? But he talks him into it, has him pull down the statue. There's a great shot of just like the leftover pieces as it moves on to the next shot. So Din tries to repair IG-11 himself. He gets power connected. IG comes back to life, but then lunges for Grogu and starts screaming, terminate the asset, and it's <laughs> It's bad. Apparently he's reverted to his original programming. Din starts blasting him, but nothing's working. And he doesn't stop until grief's protocol droid. Who's like three PO with a different head. Looks pretty tight. Tips over this big brass bust of grief, smashes, IG knocks him out. And then Mando comes with a classic, like Arnold Schwarzenegger line. Now that's using your head. Good stuff. (laughs) So corny. I love it. It was really corny. It was, I was like,
2: wow. But, I mean, the whole scene was, like, kind of corny, cheesy throwback to, like, that horror.
0: Yeah. I loved it. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk in the den specifically about some references there. It's, it was just so good. And they, he takes him to, uh, you know, some of the best droid smiths in the galaxy who have come to Navarro because of all the, the booming business and stuff. And it is, we talked about this before we started recording, a really hilarious little tiny door on the side of this wall, like Tom and Jerry style. And it turns out that the droid smiths are the same species as Babu Frick. There's a group of them. We saw them in the trailer as well. It's uh, a bunch of Enzelans. I love it. Can't
1: confirm that any of them are Babu Frick. According to the subtitles, none of them had names. Yeah. So And they all specifically... Okay. Too excited? They had different goggles too. Yeah. But
2: yeah, you were talking about the facial mm-hmm. hair before we were recording. Yeah. Some have mustaches, some have goatees, different combos of the two. But... Yeah, who knows? Who knows?
1: I mean, spoke the same, served the same comedic yeah. kind of yeah. it was it was just great. Yeah. Now,
2: uh Rise of Skywalker and now Mando aren't the only places we've seen ensembles or little doors like that. I don't know if you guys remember, but a year ago now, like a year from now, Star Cruiser. Mm-hmm. The guy who built Star Cruiser, Shug drabor and he has a tiny little door, just like we saw on Mando, <laughs> yeah. right in the ship. So it's kind of a nice, nice little Star Cruiser
1: callback moment. That's his quarters, right? Like where the little door is yeah, on his Star quarters. Cruiser. That
2: tiny little
0: door. Yeah, so it's cool to see one in live action now. So this scene in the little tiny shop inside the anzellan workshop. All the broken English, like we said. The subtitles. If you haven't watched with subtitles, go watch it's even funnier when you can read exactly what they're saying. What is he, what does he keep saying? Broke your friends, broken or bad baby? <laughs> something like that. Like there was a lot, the broken, <laughs> the broken, the broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The broken. So, uh, basically ends with one of them saying, IG needs a new memory circuit. Didn't say he'll go find one basically. Oh, and la- <laughs> lastly, Grogu is like harassing them. Keeps like trying to pick them up and, Mando's doing the, the typical dad, like, no, don't, don't touch, don't, don't, they're not pets, you know? And he just, <laughs> he keeps going for him, and he's like, I'm sorry, he's a little kid, basically. <laughs> it's so good. It almost looked like he wanted to eat him or something, like he was... <laughs> I mean, that 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 would be on brand. So Din and Grogu leave Navarro. They head to a planet called Kalevala in the Mandalore system. On the way, one of the pirates from earlier, the one who uh, they let escape, shows up in his ship with three more ships as backup. There's a big dog fight. And this is kind of like the closing action scene of the episode. Din takes out like four of them, but then he comes around the bend. They're in kind of an asteroid field. He comes around the bend and there's Captain Shard's ship. The captain that Grief Cargus said, go tell this dude, no more pirates here. Kick rocks, right? So he's there. He's the moss face, dude. And it's like the way this all ends... Like, the fact that they show inside the ship and he stands up and he, like, addresses the camera in a way, it seems like he's coming back. Like, this doesn't seem like...
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have named him Gorian Shard, given him a real specific...
0: And talked about like, him a, a lot. Like,
2: introduce him earlier, mm-hmm. call back to him, actually show him, give him dialogue, unless he was going to be, like, a real pain in the ass for Mando later on in the
0: season. So, although we don't theorize, uh, let's speculate for a second. Everyone <laughs> who knows who Hondo Onaka is wanted to see Hondo as soon as as we heard the word pirate, right? We didn't get to see Hondo. But if this dude's coming back, could it be via Hondo? Like Hondo shows up and there's some stuff going on and then classic like double cross, like, oh, sorry, I had to get paid. Mm -hmm. And he gives him to, to Gorian Shard. Yeah, something. I mean, he
1: could take out, you know, I'm sure pirates don't have loyalty to other pirates. So Hondo could, maybe Mando and Shard are like, in some sort of battle and shard is winning and hondo comes in last minute and wipes out shard somehow
0: and then mando owes him yeah exactly yeah. yeah and just
2: hondo in like typical hondo fashion just being just ridiculous kind of cheesy like yeah. I'd, I'd love it i would lo- i think the fandom would love that just to see it live action
0: yeah and like we mentioned before they're already doing that makeup and those prosthetics for that species all over the place yeah. so the weak way wouldn't be a huge deal to bring him back it makes sense on a lot of levels. So uh, please, please do it. Thank you. So they get to Kalevala after um, he pulls this clever move, escapes. It's kind of anticlimactic in a way. He just jumps to light speed straight past the thing. They get out of there. Point being, they get to Kalevala. And it's cool how along the way, even leading up to this scene, Din's like very much teaching Grogu. He, he's fully embraced the idea that he's his dad. He's his responsibility. It's Din's responsibility to teach him how to be a Mandalorian, how to be a pilot. He's like showing him the controls on the ship. Even when they're in that shootout scenario, Grogu's not hiding in the pram. He's just sitting there. Mando knows that he's there. He knows that he's capable. He knows he's got the Beskar, what do you call it, chainmail shirt. So like that dynamic is evolving and it's really cool, I think. But they pull up and he's kind of narrating. He's like, this planet's called this. That's a Mandalorian castle. So they get to this Mandalorian castle on this planet, which is in the Mandalore system. They walk in. This is several shots from the trailer as well. Like you guys mentioned. Bo-Katan on this throne. I think it's the same shot. Either way, she's on this throne all by herself in this castle. Super bummed. The vibe sucks. She has not succeeded in her mission to unite Mandalore, obviously. That would be boring. That would be a boring plot if she's like, yeah, I did it. It's all done. Everything's cool. So the tension comes from her obviously kind of resenting him right it's unspoken for a minute until she confirms the dark saber situation but he basically says i'm here to join you like let's do this and she says there's nothing to join turns out when she returned without the dark saber everyone just bailed on her they went off on their own to be mercenaries they took the fleet everything she's not living a rest life so she asked in if he still has the dark saber he says yes she tells him okay we'll just wave that thing around and they'll do whatever you say. You should just rule Mandalore. She's like, screw it. There's this great little conversation about how the children of the watch and other factions and all this shattered, shattered the Mandalorian people kind of, again, like bringing people up to speed who haven't watched the book of Boba Fett and don't know the deeper stuff. Go home. She says, it's all done. Din's like, no, I'm going to go to the mines. I'm going to bathe in the living waters. I'm going to take my Mando bath and I'll be forgiven for my transgressions. Bo-Katan calls him a fool, says there's nothing magic about the mines. That planet has been ravaged, plundered, and poisoned. And he's like, okay, well, do you believe it or you you don't? Is it poisoned? Is it not? Like, what the hell? And she's like, do whatever you want. The mines are beneath the Civic Center in the city of Sundari. Have we heard that city name before? It sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. I don't know from where, but it does sound familiar. Yeah, Yeah. that's definitely in Clone Wars. Din says he will find out if the planet is really poisoned and leaves. Roll credits. That was a hell of an ending that to me felt like it came 11 minutes into the thing. Like that (laughs) episode just cruised by. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even though a lot happened, I was like, what? What time is it? You know, one of my first thoughts, and this is just like, maybe it's an unanswerable question. Maybe we'll, we'll get some follow-up on this. The Mandalorian youngling in the beginning, the initiation ceremony, it gets cut short right before he gets a chance to finish the line from this day forward. I will never remove my helmet, blah, 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 right? So is he a Mandalorian yet? Is he bound to that creed yet? Mm. He's got his helmet. And he's got his stuff. What do you guys think? Maybe it happened off screen, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, maybe they, they went back to it. because They seem to be really dead set on this baptizing in waters. Yeah. And even in that moment, the armor, she was dipping a bowl into the water. Well, I'm guessing she was going to dump it on his head or something like a similar baptismal ritual. So maybe that's what has to be done as well as saying the words out loud. Yeah. Because, I mean, Mando's whole redemption arc is going to be him going and bathing in the, the living waters, which I wonder what that means. Like, why are they living waters? What is so special about all this water business? But it's I, I don't know. It could have happened off camera. But did
0: did he end up going in the water or did he stay dry the whole time? So what, is that a technicality? He was standing in it from the beginning. He was standing in it. You're right. And she had on. she had like the kind of the bowl she was about to
2: do the baptism she, thing. Yeah, she pulled him away right as the, the gator attacked. I'm going to say, no, he's not.
0: I mean, maybe later with his dad in the bath, he's like, hey, you're not taking off that helmet, right? Cool. All right, you're done. <laughs> it's going to get all rusty,
1: dad. <laughs> if for some reason, I did think at some point watching it last night when they're talking about the living waters on under Mandalore. I'm like, do you go in with your armor or do you yeah. not go in with your armor?
0: Who takes a bath with a helmet? Is it airtight? Is yeah. it, you know, the. <laughs> it always <laughs> does that little thing when you put it on. Maybe that's watertight. I don't know. But his hair was sticking out the bottom. Did anyone else think when he put it on, like... Yeah. How do you get that seal with that hair, man? Get a haircut, you hippie. He's just going to wear the helmet. Yeah.
2: Helmet only, no armor. That'll do.
0: (laughs) So we talked about a lot in the synopsis. There's not really like a a ton to deep dive into. I don't know. What do you guys think? you want to get into the Den of Antiquities and talk there? Or do you have some more uh, reflections?
1: I I mean, all I'll say is I think that he had three different people in this episode tell him for different reasons to ditch his creed. Mm -hmm. I guess the armorer didn't tell him to ditch it, but the armorer definitely was ready to write him off until he was insistent that he was going to go redeem himself. Yeah. So he did have three people kind of telling
0: him... Telling him to move on.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of think just with the track record of characters... I think we'll probably. This is speculatory, but it would be cool to see Bo Katan be a little bit of a gray area for a couple of episodes, but then the Armorer really be the one who he has to like shoot to the side. Yeah. So that whole that whole part of the cult, you know, because Bo Katan calls it a cult. Yeah. The, the, that sect of uh, Mandalorians. So it would be cool if towards the end he has to shun the Armorer, so he can move on from that because I just don't see Bo-Katan kind of becoming the bad person here. I think just in real life, she has too many like fans, you know, like (laughs) I don't see her becoming the, the, uh, uh, any sort of villain really might be teased for suspense, but I don't, I don't see it.
2: Yeah. I think for a couple episodes, they're going to make us feel like she is. Yeah. That, that would track, that would make perfect sense because they're already setting it up, but the way she's sitting in her chair kind of lounge back, just some of those facial movements she had when she was talking to him kind of some squint to the eyes she really did look especially when she mentioned the dark saber like do you still have it it just makes you think oh is she going to come for it and i think they're going to set it up that way that we're going to we're going to be waiting for we're going to be waiting for an attack from bo-katan or something like that but again i agree with you nick i don't think i don't think she's going to ultimately be a villain but we're going to think could she
1: is she almost mm-hmm. it, it's going to be like that for at least yeah. at least till half the the half the season's done Peyton in the chat says she was a terrorist i mean mm-hmm. she was part of death watch but i mean she renounced that i feel like
0: yeah so. i mean the tension in that scene though mm-hmm. you could cut it with a dark saber, dark saber <laughs> there you go <laughs> i mean and she katie sackhoff killed it in that scene that's that's her best performance yet for sure she's like so resentful she's so just demotivated, you know, she's just, she's there alone in this castle, just completely downtrodden by the whole experience. Probably ashamed, you know, that she lost something that she actually cares about. And this dude who doesn't want it has it. Is she questioning the whole concept of it? Is Din going to be the one to kind of snap her out of that? Or is that even possible since no one's going to follow without the dark saber? I don't know. It's, it's a perfect setup with a lot of conflict for a lot of story stuff. I kind of disagree with you guys. I I feel like, she, well, she may not be a villain, but she's for sure an antagonist in this story. So there's going to be more to this conflict than her just kind of exchanging words alone in this castle with him. I think. Either way, we're here for it. All right, shall we do the Den of Antiquities? Let's do it. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt.
1: You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad all overprint
0: button downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather.
1: And not just button downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase.
2: Over
0: a thousand generations. It is the Dark Toro gosh. It's a Calicore.
2: A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science.
0: Cloning. The secret's only the Sith knew. Nick, tell us about the Easter eggs, the references, the little tidbits from this episode. Well, it started off
1: pretty immediately with the huge whale-like creatures in the hyperspace scene. They're called the Pergil. And uh, if you haven't watched Rebels, that's where they made their on-screen debut. The Purgle are a species of animal that can not only live in space, but also have the ability to travel through hyperspace by their own natural means. No ships, no technology, just a natural ability. They are central to the Rebels season finale, which also features Thrawn. And we know that Thrawn is going to be pivotal (laughs) in the Ahsoka series. So this was within the first couple of minutes of this episode already getting you thinking about what is going to happen with the Ahsoka series. Yes. Very, very awesome. So yeah, watch Rebels. Listen to our breakdown episodes from last year. You got some time. Who knows if the Pergill are going to be back in this, you know, season three of Mando or maybe more pivotal in the Ahsoka series, but we'll see.
0: Did you guys have like... A physical reaction when they came on screen. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was like hands on my face going, no yeah. It's way. just beautiful. Like all so beautiful. Shit. Yeah.
1: And the the kind of just how it rolled out with like one, like, oh, one perkle, that's mm-hmm. so cool. And then kind of like you mentioned earlier, like the more like widescreen shot where the, the N1 was like barely an inch and you saw multiple perkle. I'm like, oh, this is just beautiful. Like I want a mural of this in my house. It's it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. In the background on Navarro, you can quickly see a Kyozu character who looks a bit like Zuvio from the Nima Outpost in The Force Awakens. He has a flat saucer-like hat, helmet, thingy, and a balaclava mask pulled up over his mouth and nose. Probably the most infamous uh, six-inch Black Series character, (laughs) Constable Zuvio. It's like, wow. And what was funny... (laughs) The second he shows up on screen
2: is when uh, they're asking, oh, well, I need a marshal. Meanwhile, there's potentially a
1: constable like right behind Grief's shoulders. He's talking (laughs) about it. (laughs) What's the deal with that Black Series figure? I mean, he's just like not really – I mean, they made a figure of him and he wasn't in the movie. <laughs> he didn't show up at all, not even – were there deleted scenes from Force Awakens? I don't know. But
2: he, they filmed some stuff with Constable Zuvio. He just didn't make it into the movie at all. Mm-hmm. But I've got ai have got a 3.75-inch figure of him too.
1: Yeah. And that whole era of collecting, it's like, well, I'm going to Target or Toys R Us or whatever. And all there was was Constable Zuvio <laughs> Zubio on, on the pegs because – Everyone was just like, "Why would I want that character?" He's not in the movie.
2: Yeah. And so, speaking of uh, Constable Zuvio, there's a Twitter account called the Zuvium, and it's this guy who's collected everything Constable Zuvio. Oh my god! And you can book an online tour with him for free, and he will <laughs> guide great. you through the Zuvium oh and my show god. <laughs> off all the collectibles of Constable Zuvio, just dedicated to this character that didn't make it into That's the movie. So funny! That's
1: amazing. how many things could there be? Like five. I don't know. I, I need to book <laughs> this. And it's a good follow, but check him out on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, back to the den. IG11, back for a little bit. Trying to kill Grogu is a straight-up reference to the final scene in the original 1984 Terminator film. I mean, the way it was shot, very Terminator. He literally is saying the word terminate. So... <laughs> it's, the same uh, thing.
0: He, he He's just a torso with one arm. Same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah even the way they animated at like a lower frame mm-hmm. rate to make it look more like stop, stop motion.
1: Yep, and definitely. it seemed, it
0: looked like yeah. there wasn't even motion blur. Like, you know, old school stop motion until uh, until the Empire Strikes Back, right? With the, with the mm-hmm. walkers, that's when stop motion got really good. It's just kind of choppy, no motion blur, obviously a puppet kind of thing. And they did that on purpose. And it just like the kind of juddery mm-hmm. thing on the floor. Yeah, absolutely. It's so
1: good. Uh, continuing with their, uh, I guess it was was it season two when the curse phrase Dank Farrick was a thing mm-hmm. in Mandalorian season two. Continuing down that path, we have a new slang word. When Din is talking to grief about trying to fix IG Eleven, Mando says, "I don't think I can handle him with all his limbs if things go scud." <laughs> okay, I hate when things go scud. <laughs> now
2: that term scud was mentioned before in Mando. Cara Dune says it. Uh, something about oh. it. Skank in the Scud Pie. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So that wasn't the first time, but it is nice to see it called back. Mm-hmm. So Scud is shit when things go to shit. Also Pudu.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which we got in this episode as well. What did he say? Yeah.
0: It was one of the Enzelans, right? He said... Uh, yeah, it was uh-huh. the
1: Enzelan. Something like this one's Pudu or something. Yeah. Yeah. With
0: that, <laughs> he says like, basically like his his brain or his CPU or whatever the part is that he needs to get doesn't work. He's like, "Well, what does that mean?" He's like, uh, "No brain droid pudu or something like that, right?" Yeah, yeah, that's good. And wrapping up the den,
1: Din sitting on the floor in the Anzellan droid shop looks like a callback to Luke in Yoda's hut. That wasn't the first thing I thought of, though. I thought it was more similar to Gandalf in Bilbo Baggins' Hobbit hole. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, both work absolutely, but my brain went to Gandalf first.
0: He's got that great profile shot, mm-hmm. you know, like they did in, um, in Lord of the Rings with the force perspective, yep. you know, where you've just got the dude crouching, sitting cross-legged and then you got the little table, mm-hmm. same thing. Like when Luke's sitting there with the, uh, with the soup or whatever, the, the mush and Yoda's thing. It, and it wasn't until that wide shot where you see him actually mm-hmm. like sitting <laughs> yeah. that I realized, Oh my God, yeah. he's
2: in this tiny little place. <laughs> yeah. And you see grief cargo, like peeking his head down <laughs> from outside to like, like
0: bending it. over. Yeah. Just, perfect. Perfect. All right. Let's talk about our favorites. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite moments, favorite quotes. Dano, I know you don't do favorites, so just think really hard about which parts you really, really like (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Nick, uh, you want to give us some, uh, some comments from the patrons? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Anna says Grogu cuddling with Mando in the ship and then Grogu with the Anzellans hugging the (laughs) Anzellans. Absolutely adorable. Uh, Nicole Rourke says, seeing live action Kowakians for the first time since Return of the Jedi. Then she goes on to say the, you know, the Anzellans, Grogu cuddling them. So many good scenes. I feel like we're all going to have sort of the same, uh, there's a lot more mentions of the Anzellan scene. Maddie Gunner says the same thing. Peyton is the first one to mention, uh, Grogu seeing the pergolone in hyperspace.
0: That scene was awesome. Yeah. So quiet. Yeah but so awesome. Yeah. The way he comes down from his little perch gets, you know, in the seat with him. Mm-hmm. And even just the idea that there, you know, you think about like in the empire strikes back when Luke goes to Dagobah with R2, mm-hmm. like how long does that take? Do you just sit in that cockpit for <laughs> yeah. days, hours, whatever. Yeah. But we actually see Mando just like chilling back. It's like on auto- autopilot. He's just kind of like got his head to the side. He's taking a nap. And so as I was watching that scene
2: live last night, I made the comment before we saw the Purgle. wow, they're taking a lot of time in this hyperspace. Like it was, (laughs) normally we don't see it, like you're saying. Normally we get just a quick flash of it and then, okay, they're there. And so I like audibly made that comment out loud of like, wow, they're taking a really long time showing us hyperspace stuff. (laughs) And then the payoff of that Purgle scene, it was really well done.
1: There is, uh, Stacey Leanne posted what looks like some variation of a meme where um, some variation of a meme where this is a really good point. I won't read the whole thing, but the point of Grogu tucking himself into Din's bandolier, like a seatbelt. Yeah. Adorable. Absolutely adorable.
0: Mando's a good dad. (laughs) All right, Nick, how about you? What's your favorite moment scene or quote? Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned
1: it earlier about like physically reacting to a scene and it it was the purgle for me. It was me pointing out the screen, like, Fitz pumping like I know what's going on here you know and it didn't culminate with anything it was just more implications which for the first episode of a season I, I guess I'm here for implications you know I'm here for the, <laughs> the overall story I'm, I'm like oh wow Ahsoka Ezra Thrawn Pergil like oh my god yes and like I mentioned earlier it's just beautiful if I could have a mural of that in in my house I would it's just absolutely amazing the pergola they're just so like in rebels too they're so peaceful and like calming and it's it really is i mean it's just beautiful so that's uh absolutely my favorite scene
0: nature's tight dano how about you what scenes are not your favorite but do you like a lot (laughs) so mando's arrival
2: in the episode yeah just showing up in that n1 and seeing it fly by and questioning like wait was that was at the end one? Just that whole moment, the pacing of the intro and his first arrival on screen in that ship really, really blew me away. That was I, like I knew it was going to be a good night. But at that moment, I knew it was going to be a damn good night. Mm-hmm. And it's so just that that was it. That was like we are f- here now doing this. <laughs> and it was like that was a huge moment for me. In addition to that, I really loved that pirate scene when the gang shows up and they're trying to go drink at the school. The costumes were amazing. It seems like the prosthetic work that they're doing is way more seamless in yeah. previous like, live action things where the eyes hit the prosthetic. You can usually see a little bit of a seam on the, uh, was it, I believe it was a Nikto. You, like, if you look at his eyes, go back and rewatch it and look at where the eyes are. It looks so natural and so real. It's got to be a combo of CG and like actual prosthetic, but it is so well done. The costumes on those pirates were really yeah. cool. There was just so many neat details, like a hat that was on his shoulder. I don't know if you noticed that, but there was yeah. like a, it was a weird hat just stuck to like the back of his shoulder. Part of
0: a cape kind of thing.
2: Yeah. right. There's just a lot of like interesting in the weathering on that was really intense too. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of stuff that really stuck out. Cause for me, Star Wars is at its best. Like my, the part of Star Wars I love the most is the the scum and villainy the cantina moments all those different aliens and the weird it's not so much the jedi stuff for me so seeing these pirates all these new characters even gory and shard the pizza the the vegan pizza the hut kind of character like (laughs) that's to me that's like the best part of star wars when we get all these neat aliens and so that's it was the pirates for me that really got me excited as to what else are we going to run into this season yeah they were really giving Pirates of the Caribbean vibes. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he even like had a kind of like an Irish accent to him. Like he was very much Davy Jones.
0: Yeah. And you know, dripping moss instead of octopus tendrils or whatever, you know, that kind of vibe. Disney shills. And and I was, uh, I was really thinking Captain Jack Sparrow light, of course, Mm -hmm. in in that conversation, the way just their demeanors and it just really good pirate stuff. I loved it. Dude, the puns in the chat right now from the patrons are incredible. <laughs> Dead Mando's chest. Thrawn and Ezra are in purgatory. <laughs> well done, everyone. My favorite my favorite scene uh, dramatically was the conversation between Mando and Bo-Katan. Oh, yeah. Katie Sackhoff just killed it. But I couldn't help but be just drawn in by the charm of of the Anzellan shop as well. <laughs> yeah. And Mando having to crouch down, sit on the floor, cross-legged grief card, <laughs> popping his head in and he keeps translating. And Mando's like, I, I get it. I get it. I understand <laughs> now, you know, that was so it, good. It is great timing. It's composed cinematically in a way that really sells. Like you said, once you see that profile shot, it really sells how small this place is and how goofy he looks in it. And then the, the Grogu shit with trying to, Hug them. It was like it was just all the best comedy in Star Wars. You know, not not a bit of it was cheesy, not of a bit of it. Not a bit of it made you think, like, all oh, right, this is just a joke now. And it was just great. It was just great. So, speaking of Grogu, there wasn't one other moment that I laughed out loud and
2: kind of gasped a little bit. It was during the uh, IG 11, him clawing at the floor. Mando throws Grogu to grief. (laughs)
0: Yes.
2: He straight up chucks him at grief. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, he just like threw him across the room so he could shoot at
0: IG-11. It was hilarious. It was almost like he like push tossed him like a medicine ball in gym class. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, yeah. (laughs) That was good. And then the, the pun line right there was great too. All these little, just like conversational and funny scenes were so good. I find myself like taking for granted how good the action scenes were too. Like you said, when Mando first shows up and then the dogfight with the pirates, all that stuff was great. But the stuff that stuck with me, I mean, is what I said. I mean, the episode gave
2: it it gave like a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like really like saying that we got a giant creature. We got a space battle. We got story building. We got, you know, throwbacks to old stuff. New storylines get opened up. Like it gave us literally everything that
0: should be in Star Wars. Nailed it. All right let's wrap up. We may, I don't want to make any promises. We may do a dedicated episode for the bad batch episode 11 or not. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. It's really good. We'll see what happens regardless. We're going to keep giving you kind of our, um, our instant reactions at the top of each one of these Mandalorian episodes. Cause that's the focus. So we'll check in on the bad batch and then we will do a season recap and hit the major stuff. We'll do it. A nice bit of denim Antiquities, I'm sure. We'll see how it all pans out. Regardless, I'm stoked for the next eight weeks. I'm pumped. Dano, do you have uh, anything going on that you want to tell the people about other than your weekly live streams?
2: That's the big thing, is the weekly. Come hang out. If you're going to stay up late and watch it, come hang out 11 p.m. Pacific time every week. Every Tuesday night, I'll be there hanging out with a nice community of people. Again, some of them are listeners to uh, to this show here, which is awesome to see that the streams cross that way. But that's it. You can guarantee to find me there, and just live streams throughout the week, having fun, engaging with the community. We're we're heading into that like heavy Star Wars season. Yes, we've got Mando coming on right now. We've got Star Wars Celebration in a few weeks. After that, it's going to be May the Fourth. It's we're in like heavy Star Wars season starting today. So I'll be having all kinds of new stuff on the channel. So check out the Dano Channel on YouTube. This is
0: the way. Also, where can they find you on social media?
2: Uh, at the Dano Channel on Instagram, TikTok. A billion Facebook groups that uh, myself and Sarah Maciel run, all centered around Galactic Star Cruiser and Galaxy's Edge.
0: Nick, how about
1: you? My socials are at Nick Bayside, and I can't believe it, but tours kind of wrapping up. I think we have 10 shows left, so we'll be in like the start we're gonna start heading east as of today we're recording this in cincinnati uh we hit detroit and then the northeast we actually hit montreal and toronto also and most of the shows are sold out everything in the northeast is sold out at this point so uh nice if you don't have tickets sorry (laughs) i warned you every week on this show to get tickets
0: (laughs) my stuff is all um at adam the skull on social media i say all there's nothing but instagram that's all there is I'm on Instagram at Adam the skull. This podcast is on Instagram and TikTok at thank the maker pod. You can also follow and listen to armor party podcast princess and scoundrel. Uh, find them tagged in every post that we make on social media. That's easy. And Mosh Isley tickets are still on sale. That's July 21st, the weekend of San Diego comic con best star Wars party in the galaxy, best party in the galaxy, straight up star Wars emo night. Essentially we have exclusive merch bundles vip packages stuff like that so check that out at moshisley.com you can also go to thankthemakermerch.com to support thank the maker but if you want to do that directly support i mean directly patreon.com thank the maker pod patrons are literally the only reason that we can do this so thank you patrons thank you listeners and until next week may the force be with you